Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. Hey there, Bible Center family. It's so great to have you here, whether you're tuning in online or on TV. Uh, Thank you so much for worshiping and journeying with us. If you're new here, I'm Matt Friend, the lead pastor. I would love to meet you soon. Hopefully our paths can cross uh, very soon here after the first of the year. I wanna be one of the first to wish you a happy new year. If you're watching this uh, prior to new year, if you're watching this after new year, I still wanna wish you a happy new year. As we think through that phrase, Happy New Year, it reminds me of something that I know to be true about you. I know it's true about you because it's also true about me. And that is, since the beginning of time, men and women have desired to be happy. There's something in us that desires happiness. Several hundred years before Jesus, Aristotle wrote this, happiness then is something final and self-sufficient and is the end of action. Several hundred years after Jesus, Augustine wrote this, every man, whatever his condition, desires to be happy. The great French philosopher and mathematician, Blaise Pascal, writes this, all people seek happiness. This is something, this is without exception. I think about Thomas Manton. Thomas Manton was the English Puritan and chaplain to Oliver Cromwell. Manton said, it is as natural for the reasonable creature to desire to be happy as it is for the fire to burn. There was the Anglican bishop, J.C. Ryle, who wrote this, happiness is what all mankind want to obtain. The desire for it is deeply planted in the human heart. And then Anne Frank wrote this in her diary as a teenager, a a, a victim of the Holocaust. She said, we all live with the objective of being happy. Our lives are all different and yet the same. Now in today's message, I wanna clear up two misconceptions about happiness. Here's the first one that I wanna clear up. It's sinful, some say, or it's selfish, they say, to desire happiness. Now think about that for a minute. Do you think that statement is true or false? Well, though our desires have certainly been corrupted by Adam and Eve's sin and our own sinful nature, I agree with that, way down deep, we don't seek happiness because we're sinners, but we seek happiness because we're humans. God wired his image bearers with a desire for happiness long before sin entered the world. In other words, the fall didn't generate a human longing for happiness. It simply derailed it or it misdirected it. But God put it in Adam and Eve before their sin to have a desire for happiness. There's another misconception I wanna clear up and it's this, God didn't call you to be happy, he called you to be holy. God didn't call you to be happy, he called you to be holy. Now I know what people who say that are trying to communicate and I really believe that if they communicate it in a different way, then I am totally in agreement. Of course, if we're defining happiness as just simply mere satisfaction with our circumstances, certainly holiness trumps that kind of happiness. 
But that statement by itself is as illogical as it would be for me to say, God didn't call you to be merciful. He called you to be forgiving. That statement doesn't make sense. God actually has called and invites you to be both merciful and forgiving, just like we're gonna find out in Psalm 1, God calls you to be holy and happy in the biblical sense of the word. So what is happiness and how do we obtain it? What is happiness and how do we obtain it? That's what I'm gonna answer in today's message. Today's message is entitled, How to Have a Happy New Year. And we're gonna go through the verses, the six short verses of Psalm 1. I wanna say at the beginning of this message that I really, really want happiness for you. I do. I want happiness for my wife. I want happiness for my three children. I want happiness for my coworkers, for my friends, for my family. I want happiness for myself. But we must look at God's word and find out what it is and how we get it in the coming year. Let's look at Psalm 1 together. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and whom meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Now, verse four, not so with the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, right at the outset of the message, I'll go ahead and give you the big idea. And then we're gonna see it when we dive into the text. Here's today's big idea. Meditating on the Bible is the key to a happy new year. Meditating on the Bible is the key to a happy new year. Psalm 1, the short psalm, compares two people. It compares the happy or the blessed person with the unhappy or the unblessed person. Telling a story that compares two people or two ideas is common in literature. Robert Frost used the idea in his poem, The Road Not Taken. He writes, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. Jesus used the idea of comparisons, comparing two things often in his Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. In that one sermon, Jesus compares two gates, two roads, two trees, two houses, and two foundations. Now, the comparison of the two people can be very easily seen, if you're taking notes, can be very easily seen in the way the psalm is put together. You see, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, actually mirror Psalm 1, verses 4 through 6. I like to describe this psalm kind of like a piece of paper that you could fold over in the middle. So Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 would be here, verses 4, 5, and 6 would be here. With verses one and two, to get very specific, verses one and two actually mirror verses five and six, and then verse three would mirror verse four. It's beautiful poetry, the way it's put together. 
But let's look at first this top half. Let's look at the blessed individual. Back in verse one, Psalm 1.1 says, blessed or blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. I'll ask you, what comes to your mind when you hear the word blessed? Blessed, depending on your religious background or your religious upbringing, it could conjure up all sorts of religious images, but it's many Bible translations, in the English language anyway, translate this word happy, happy. And actually, I don't think that's a bad translation as long as we define it. The Hebrew word for blessed or happy refers not to superficial or circumstantial happiness. It's not plastic. It's not fake happiness that pretends that pain doesn't exist. It's not the power of positive thinking that tells you to simply look on the sunny side of life. This isn't a name it and claim it happiness or a prosperity, prosperity gospel promising health and wealth and success if only you muster up enough faith. This is not a don't worry, be happy kind of happiness that ignores human suffering. We see in the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes says that there's a time to laugh and there's a time to cry. There's a time for peace and there's a time for war. We know that the shortest verse in the English Bible is that Jesus wept. When Jesus went to the cross, he experienced all kinds of physical agony, emotional agony, spiritual agony. And so to be close to God doesn't mean that we'll be agony-free or pain-free, but this is talking about something else. The word blessed refers to a deeper happiness that comes from finding our security in God alone. It refers to being content with God alone in the best of times or even in the worst of times. It refers to total fulfillment and spiritual satisfaction. If I were doing the translating, and I'm not a Bible translator, but I think the best word that we can use in our modern era for blessed would be flourishing. Flourishing is the person who does these things that we're about to read, that we're about to hear. Thomas Watson, the great Puritan preacher, wrote this. He, God, has no design upon us but to make us happy or flourishing. Who shouldn't be cheerful if not the people of God? C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, one of the, the pastors of a large church in London, uh, he writes this, those who are beloved of the Lord must be the most happy and joyful people to be found anywhere upon the face of the earth. And so we're talking about this inward flourishing, this inward happiness. How do we find it? What is it that God invites us to do? We're gonna see that here in verse number two. He says, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Practically speaking, how do we, how do we become the blessed individual? How do we become the flourishing individual? We know that the work is of God, but what is our responsibility in this? Verse two answers the question. We are called to meditate on his law, on his word, day and night. 
If you were to ask me, what is the secret ingredient to Christian growth? If you were to boil down Christian growth, what's one thing that we can do that will actually motivate and seep into every other area of life? I, every single time I would say that it's meditating on God's word. You see, when we meditate on God's word, it, it seeps in and creates a prayer life naturally. It, it changes our character from the inside out. It affects the actions that we take to bless others, to deny ourselves. All of this stems from meditating on the word of God. When he says to delight in God's law, he's not talking about just a few verses in the Old Testament. Some people uh, refer to the Old Testament or the Ten Commandments as the law, and that would be perfectly acceptable in some contexts, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's not just saying just meditate on the Ten Commandments. There are some places that refer to the law in the Bible as simply Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. I don't think that's what the author is describing here either. But I think we could very easily use this word law broadly in the same way that Jesus used this word. Often Jesus used the word law to refer to the whole Bible, all of God's revelation. And so when we meditate on God's word, the entire Bible, it affects our entire lives. Meditating on the Bible is a key, is the key to a happy new year. Meditating on God's word is the key to spiritual formation. Meditating on the Bible is basic to spiritual formation. Our spiritual maturity is directly connected to how much we meditate on the Bible. Now, when you think of the word meditate or meditating, you probably have some other images in your mind. I know I do. But this word in the Bible refers to simply repeating over and over again, to repeat something over and over again. So this isn't some type of transcendental meditation, but it's actually being very mindful. It's mindful meditation, being mindful of God's word, delighting in the word of God. Now, I wanna take a moment and just share with you my heart, something that, that burdens me as the pastor of this good, fine community. One thing that burn, burdens me, even though we are so blessed with great people, it's how many people in our congregation don't seem to be reading their Bibles. Now, I don't know who exactly who does and who doesn't, but it is concerning to me how little of us talk about what we're reading in the Bible and encouraging one another with the scriptures. God bless those of you who are, but, but will you pray with me that God would take our love for the word as a congregation to a whole new level in 2021? I want the people of Bible Center to be Bible-centered. I want the pastor of Bible Center to be more Bible-centered. I was thinking this week about how many years it's been since I've actually read through my Bible from cover to cover. I believe the last time I counted, I'd read through my Bible 13 times, but it's probably been almost 10 years since I've read through my Bible from cover to cover. 
I've been in ministry. I've been reading my Bible. I've been teaching and studying and preaching the Bible. But the Lord impressed upon me a couple months ago. And then it began to just seep out in our staff. We begin to, to sense this this desire, this invitation of God for us to read through our Bibles in 2021. And I'm gonna say more about that in a minute. But the goal for saturating our hearts and our minds with the scriptures is so that we can meditate on the scriptures. Meditating on the Bible is the key to a happy new year. Now, what happens when we meditate on the scriptures? Verse three is gonna tell us what happens. That person, I want this to be you, I want this to be me. That person will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Here, God uses a tree to describe the man or woman who delights in his word and he draws spiritual nourishment from it, like a tree draws nourishment from a stream. Meditating on God's word gets us in contact with the water when all other water seems to be gone. Through meditation, we can grow even in times of drought. We can grow and, and have this inner flourishing even when we're going through times of pain or grief or depression, death, or anxiety. I like what Dale Carnegie wrote some years back. Dale Carnegie said this. He said, two men looked out from prison bars. One saw mud, the other saw stars. Now think about that quote in the two men. Their circumstances were the same. They had the same prison. They had the same bars. But what was different about the two men? It was their outlook it was their perspective. And meditating on God's word, no matter if 2021 perished, the thought is worse than 2020. It will affect our, impact our outlook on life. Now in verses four through six, he begins to talk about what it looks like for the person who is not blessed, who doesn't meditate on the word of God. He says, not so with the wicked. They are like chaff, which the wind blows away. This idea of chaff, we don't use this word much anymore, but it's the husk of grain that's indigestible by humans. It refers to the shell or the pod or the wrapping of the grain. Wheat, oats, and barley all have husks that have to be blown away or they're separated from the parts that you and I eat. For an illustration that I can better understand, I think of like Texas Roadhouse or, or Logan Steakhouse. When you, back before the pandemic, when you used to get the peanuts at the table, and I don't even know if they do it anymore, but you take the peanuts and you, you break them up and you would blow the shells all over the floor. I can't imagine a world where that's ever gonna be okay again. But think about blowing the peanut shells. That's what he's saying here in verse four. Those who aren't centered on God those whose lives aren't attuned to God are like the chaff, are like the shells that the wind blows away. There's a hollowness to them. 
In verses five and six, he says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. In verses five and six, earlier I said that it parallels verses one and two. Verses five and six say that one day God is going to separate the blessed from the unblessed, the flourishing from the unflourishing, the righteous from the unrighteous. But he says back in verses one and two that he invites us to do the separating first. He says the righteous will, will separate from those influences that are dragging them down, but will expose themselves, will connect themselves to the influences that build them up, primarily to the word of God. Now, like most of my sermons, today's message is primarily for believers. God has called me to feed the flock. And in, but in every message, I try to speak a word to those of you who maybe yet haven't put your faith in Jesus. And so if this is you, if you've not yet put your faith in Jesus and you're just dipping your toe in the water, trying to see what this Christianity thing is about or whether or not you want to become and declare yourself as a follower of Jesus, let me tell you about Jesus. What I love about Jesus in Psalm 1 is that he is the only one that was able to fulfill Psalm 1 perfectly. I haven't filled Psalm 1 perfectly. You haven't fulfilled Psalm 1 perfectly. The person sitting next to you there on the couch hasn't fulfilled Psalm 1 perfectly. But Jesus is the only one who has completely and perfectly separated himself from evil and lived a perfect life. Actually, Jesus is the only one who is truly delighted in God's law. We find in Mark chapter one that Jesus meditated in the morning. We find in Luke chapter six that he meditated in the evening. Back in the Psalms, David said, I delight to do your will, O God. Yea, your law is within my heart. However, David even proved to be somewhat hypocritical. David didn't delight in the word of God all the time, which is seen by some very poor decisions that David made. But thankfully, Jesus quoted David in Hebrews 10, seven through nine. Essentially in Hebrews 10, seven through nine, by quoting David word for word, he is saying, I and I alone delight to do God's will. I and I alone have God's law written in my heart perfectly. Jesus likely had Psalm 1 in mind when he told the woman at the well, I am the water of life. On the cross, Jesus was so saturated with scripture that even as he's hanging there dying, he quotes part of, or maybe even all of Psalm 22. And there's a verse in Psalm 22 that says, I am poured out like water. When Jesus was dying on the cross, one of his last sayings recorded in scripture was, I thirst. Now he was talking, first of all, about physical thirst. His, as his body was dying, he was thirsty. But spiritually speaking, Jesus thirsted so we could have the water of life. Jesus died so that we could live. Jesus took the condemnation of the wrath of God so that we could have the freedom and the forgiveness and the love of God. 
And so wherever you are, wherever you're watching this message, listening to these words, I would encourage you to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Commit your life to Christ because Jesus is worth it. I love what George Whitfield wrote about the decision to follow Jesus. This fits so perfectly with Psalm 1. He said, is it not everyone's privilege to be as happy as he can? Does Jesus want your heart only for the same end as the devil does to make you miserable? No, he wants you to believe on him that you might be saved. Now, Christian friend, let me encourage you as we wrap up this message, my heart and my desire for you is that in 2021, you will meditate on God's word. I wanna encourage you to read and meditate on the Bible in 2021. Think about the impact this would have on your, on your family, on your children, on your marriage, on your grandchildren, on your friends, on your coworkers, on fellow believers with whom you go to church. Think about the impact. Think about the change inside you have longed for for a long time. This is the answer to read and meditate on God's word in 2021. I wanna give you a tool today that makes it easy to do that. Actually, this is something we're gonna do as an entire church in 2021, starting on January 1st. So set your clock, set your calendar. Uh, if you're watching this a few days after January 1st, you can easily catch up. We're gonna go through the one-year chronological Bible together. It's not something you need to buy, but if you have a phone, if you have a computer, you can go to the, the Bible Center Church website. You'll see it right there on our homepage. If you go to the Bible Center app, you'll see it right there on the app. And I would encourage you, I'm gonna sign up. I haven't yet signed up, but I'm gonna sign up today for the going through the Bible in a year. Pastor Matt Garrison's gonna lead us through this uh, with daily encouragements. I'm gonna be posting to my social media about it. I wanna hear from you each day, what you're hearing, what you're reading, what you're listening to. And I want you to know you can do this. You can do this. Think about your bucket list. If it's not on your bucket list, put it on your bucket list to read through the Bible at least once in your lifetime. And imagine coming to the end of 2021 and being able to say, I read through God's word. It only takes anywhere from eight to 15 minutes a day. That's it. And it will change your life as you meditate on it throughout the day. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.